So last night I was cleaning up in the kitchen after dinner, as one does, and I was thinking about the news of the day, which of course was Canada, and what Trudeau's administration was saying to the trucker convoy. And what Trudeau's administration was saying to the trucker's convoy was, it doesn't matter if you go home now, it doesn't matter if you get off the streets, if you end what the Trudeau administration is calling a blockade or an occupation, that if you have financially contributed to this protest, or if you were physically present at this convoy in any way, shape, or form, this is not over for you. The Trudeau administration actually said this will be a months-long crackdown, even after this convoy has been cleared from Ottawa. So if you've taken part in any way, the government was warning we are coming for you. You will pay for this. You will be penalized. We are going to get revenge on you for what you did. And I, I was thinking about this because last week I did an episode called Justin Trudeau is an Actual Communist, where I tried to do something a little bit different than every other political pundit out there. It's very easy to look at what Justin Trudeau did with the emergency act that he was using or that he is using. It's very easy to look at that and say, wow, freezing people's bank accounts, that's tyrannical. And that's communist even to try to stifle dissent, to, to try to break up peaceable assembly of the people when they're trying to redress their, or they're trying to ask their government for a redress of grievances. This is all very, very communist, very totalitarian, very authoritarian behavior. And we all know this. And so it's easy to show the videos of Justin Trudeau and his, his deputy prime minister and the police and everybody, you know, the police with a horse trampling. It's easy to show this and say, well, that's very, that's very communist. So what I tried to do to set it apart a little bit is say, okay, well, what can we expect in the future from Justin Trudeau? How is he going to ultimately react to what's happening in Canada? Is he going to fold because the political pressure on him is so great? Meaning he wasn't elected by a majority of the country anyway, and his approval ratings are underwater. They're the lowest, I mean, they're absolutely abysmal. They make Joe Biden's approval ratings actually look quite good. Justin Trudeau's approval ratings are terrible. He Maybe he's going to be so worried about losing his position in power that he ultimately caves to the truckers. Maybe it's just a question. I actually talked about this on my Locals page. Maybe it's just, just a question of how can he cave to these truckers without losing face, without looking like he's caving. That's what I said a week ago. Well, fast forward to when I did this research about Justin Trudeau, I found that he has communist ideology and financial ties. And when I say ideological and financial ties, I mean to the Cuban, the communist Cuban regime, to the Castro regime, of course, to the Chinese Communist Party of today in China, very strong, both financial and ideological ties. His entire family, his father, Pierre Trudeau, as I mentioned, was prime minister once upon a time of Canada. Now his son is. And there, there was a piece of research that I didn't include in that episode last week because it, it verged on being too tangential. I couldn't get too off track from my point. And so, and so I left it on the cutting room floor. But last night when I was cleaning up from dinner, I realized that it's become very relevant. And this piece of information is in 1989, after the Chinese communists cracked down on the protesters in Tiananmen Square, massacred them with tanks, Justin Trudeau's family, Pierre Trudeau, the father, and then the two sons, Justin and Alexander, were supposed to go to China. They were supposed to visit. And the, and the Canadian government asked them not to. Well, for obvious reasons. The Canadian government asked them not to because it was such an atrocity that the Chinese Communist Party had committed against the people in Tiananmen Square. That part I mentioned. But what I didn't mention is that a couple months later, just the next year, the Trudeaus did go to communist China. And while they were there, Pierre Trudeau actually addressed what had happened in Tiananmen Square, but he addressed it in a very nuanced, we'll call it nuanced, in a very nuanced way. And when I say nuanced, I mean, he was 
trying to excuse it. He was trying to justify it. He was trying to explain it away or brush it under the rug. And there, there are two comments that Pierre Trudeau made about Tiananmen Square that I found very illustrative given how his son Justin is handling these peaceful protests up in Ottawa. Pierre Trudeau said in China about Tiananmen Square that China had, quote, been dealing with sad difficulties. Sad difficulties. That's a euphemism that Pierre Trudeau used for Tiananmen Square massacre. And I thought, wow, that's just the most euphemistic, the most gentle way of describing a horrific homicidal regime just running over people, beating hearts, warm bodies, crushing them with tanks. Sad difficulties, according to Pierre Trudeau. And then, according to Alexandre Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau also said, while in China, he said it's very hard for people outside of China to know what's best for China or how China can move forward. And I thought to myself, well, again, this, it's not that difficult, actually, for outsiders to, to know how to address Tiananmen Square. It's very easy, actually, for everyone, every one of us to say, well, that's what happens when you have a communist regime. That is tyranny. That's authoritarianism. That's what happens when governments who are in that power don't want dissent. They have to silence it. They have to stifle it. Not just banning you on social media, but actually physically murdering you and killing you and then trying to cover it up. So it's actually very, it's actually very easy for those of us to know what China did was wrong and to say so and to know what China needs to do going forward. But the point of all of this is I, I, was, I was just thinking this contrast between how the Trudeau family, ideologically and financially tied to communism, how they reacted, how Pierre Trudeau specifically commented on Tiananmen Square versus how Justin Trudeau, as Prime Minister of Canada today, is responding to these protesters. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if to hear if Justin Trudeau is willing to condemn and disavow those comments, those horrific comments made by his father, wouldn't it be interesting to know if Justin rejects this ideology that allows massacres like Tiananmen Square or if he embraces it? Wouldn't it be interesting if an enterprising journalist somewhere, somehow, actually asked the Prime Minister of Canada whether he embraces or disavows the communist ideology of his father and the repercussions that a communist ideology such as the Chinese could have on the Canadian people today? And how on earth did Justin Trudeau ascend to this position of power without these questions being asked and being thoroughly answered? I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. So nothing in the world that I can think of in any of my experiences makes me grumpier than doing taxes. And it's that season again. Uh, my husband and I are preparing to do our taxes, collecting you know, everything, receipts, everything that we need to put together our taxes. And I, I'm not that I'm not that fun of a partner when we're doing taxes because I just resent it so much that I have to give so much of my income to the government. And I, when we were doing this this past week, I mean, this is an ongoing process. It's not a one-time sit-down thing for us. Um, when, when, I, when we were doing our taxes this past week, I thought to myself, why do I have to pay so much in taxes? Why do I, why does the government need my money, not, not even in a comparative way, because it's a very popular thing in conservative circles to say, well, can the government do better with my money than I can do with it myself? And that's a valid question, but this is, that's not even the question that I was asking. The question I was asking is, why does the government need any of my money at all, given our current situation? And I spiraled down the most fascinating rabbit hole that I want to share with you in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about American Hartford Gold. New inflation numbers are out. 
They are the worst this country has seen in nearly 40 years. And you know what's funny, guys? Sometimes the ads in this show are completely random topically, given what we're talking about. And this one is spot on the topic that I'm talking about today. So the price of gas, as you know, is up. The price of housing is up. The U.S. national debt, way up. And with our current administration printing and spending trillions of dollars, experts don't see it getting better anytime soon. I certainly don't. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, when times are turbulent, Americans like you turn to real assets, like physical gold and silver. American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they will have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it easy. If you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. Again, that's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. So doing my taxes, in a very disgruntled mood about it, asking myself, why does government need my money at all? Why do they actually need my tax money? Uh, when... The federal government, and this is not actually exclusive just to the Biden administration. This was true under the Trump administration, under the Obama administration, under the Bush administration. All modern presidential administrations are guilty of this. Why does the government need my money when they are printing anything that they need to fund any of their social programs? Now, what, what I'm talking about, this, uh, this idea of the government printing money is a when I say a relatively new idea, it's not a new idea philosophically, but it is a new idea in practice in our country, exclusive to the last 25 or 30 years. And it's called, what this, this practice is not just an accident. It's not just fiscal irresponsibility. It actually has a name. This idea that a government, especially a government like the United States, that's the issuer of the currency, which we are, the Federal Reserve, the US dollar, we issue the currency, we don't just partake in it. This is called modern monetary theory. And modern monetary theory holds that a government that issues currency actually doesn't have to worry about the deficit, doesn't have to worry about the debt at all, which, yes, I know is mind-blowing, but just stick with me because this is quite something. It, it, it holds that you just the government can just print anything that they need um, and that debts and deficits don't matter. Now, one of the primary people behind modern monetary theory is a woman by the name of Stephanie Kelton. She was an advisor to Bernie Sanders. She was an advisor to the Joint Task Force that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden's presidential campaigns, um, they got together to basically revamp the Democratic Party platform because you have this disconnect between the Bernie bros and the establishment Biden people. And they created this task force. And Stephanie Kelton was an advisor on that task force. She is a current advisor to the Biden administration um, on modern monetary theory. And they just think that the government can print as much money as they want. And so I thought to myself, okay, so accepting this premise for just one second, because that's what the Biden administration has done. They've accepted this premise that they can just print whatever money they want. Accepting this premise, why do people like you and I actually need to pay taxes to the government? Because if the government has a program that they want to spend money on, a project that they want to spend money on, or something even that's been appropriated by Congress that they need to spend money on, why don't they just print the money if they think it's totally fine? If they're operating under this premise that deficits don't matter, debt doesn't matter, and you can just print and spend whatever you want because you are the issuer of currency, then why, why do I have to pay taxes? By the way, as you can see, I was a huge help to my husband in putting this stuff together. Instead of actually doing the practicalities, I'm down this rabbit hole. So this is what I found. 
And this is pervasive in our government, by the way. This is something that's being practiced by the Biden administration. It's being practiced by very liberal members of Congress. It's being practiced, like I said, unintentionally, perhaps, but it was practiced by the Trump administration and the Obama administration and the Bush administration with their rampant spending and printing and spending. So under modern monetary theory, there actually is a reason that you and I are supposed to pay taxes. And according, according to this theory, modern monetary theory, the reason that people pay taxes isn't to fund government programs. It isn't so when Congress passes a piece of legislation, they have had to ask themselves, well, how do we pay for it? Do we have a way to fund this program? No. The reason that we pay taxes under modern monetary theory is so that there's no alternative forms of currency. Because what, what happens? Let's go back here for a second. What happens when the government prints and spends? I mean, inflation happens, right? That's what we're seeing right now. Inflation happens. And inflation is a fancy name for the devaluation of our currency. It makes our money worth less. So what happens when money is worth less is people want to turn to an alternative form of currency that would hold its value, not something that they get paid and then they get a certain amount of money for the work that they did. And then that amount of money a month later, a year later is worth a ton less than the work that they put in because of inflation. No, they turn to alternative forms of currency, but the government, a government that is adhering to modern monetary theory can't have alternative forms of currency or else nobody would take part in a currency that's constantly being devalued. Like, you know, the US dollar would be if we, if we were just practicing modern monetary theory. So essentially, let me make this not as vague. Essentially, if we're facing inflation and we didn't have to pay taxes, and then we wouldn't, we wouldn't do any work for the US dollar. We'd all turn to maybe cryptocurrency or something like that, some alternative form of currency. And then the government would sort of be out of the business of currency. And so the primary reason that the government forces citizens to pay taxes if they're practicing modern monetary theory is to make sure that people are still working for the government-issued currency, the US dollar, so that I mean, you have to have that pile of cash if you're going to pay the government in taxes and the only legal tender for taxes is the US dollar. That's shocking, right? So this is actually taxes under modern monetary theory aren't to pay for government projects or to fund pieces of legislation, bills that became law that were appropriated by Congress. No, it's a form of control on us to make sure that the currency of the U.S. government is the only currency that we are participating in. There's also, by the way, if you really want to dive down this rabbit hole, there's actually two other reasons that the government would tax its citizens, even if they don't need the money for money's sake. And just so you understand the depth or the depravity of these people who practice modern monetary theory, some of the foremost, I hate to call them intellectuals, but they're academics. They're in, they're in, Institutes of higher education. This is where they. This is where they write their stuff. This is where they. This is where they hide. This is where they. I guess have their jobs. They're not in the real world. They're in, they're at colleges. They're in in institutions of higher learning. They actually say that once people have been taxed under modern monetary theory, that the government should just burn those ta burn that money. They should burn the money because the other point of taxation in their minds is redistribution of wealth. So they still want wealthier people to be taxed an exorbitant rate, but the government doesn't need the money from rich people. It's not just a mechanism to take a lot of money from the rich people to fund Elizabeth Warren's plans. No, it's because they want people to have an equal amount of money. They want rich people to not be rich anymore. And they are using the power of government to try to do that. So the, the, some of the leading proponents of modern monetary theory think that you should be taxed and that the government should just burn the money when you pay for it. Yes. It's, it's that serious. And again, this actually, 
this isn't a fringe theory. Yes, it's fringe if you're talking about the common sense aspect of it, but this is embedded deeply in the Biden administration. This is their monetary policy, modern monetary theory is. The other, the third aspect of taxation under modern monetary theory is just control of society. Now, when I mean control of society, I'm talking about, I mean, think of New York City under Mayor Bloomberg. What did he do? He tried to put a tax on soda, on sugary drink, because he said, it's not good for you to drink so much soda. Sugar's bad for you. So we're going to make it more difficult for you to actually purchase the thing that's bad for you. You know, they do it to tobacco companies too, cigarette companies. This is called a sin tax. It's meant to it's meant to try to control society. Government is trying to make it more difficult for you to make a choice that they don't want you to make. Now, these two examples that I give, whether it's taxes on tobacco companies or even a soda tax, these sin taxes are a very small, small example of what a government could do, could do with taxation. There is a world or perhaps the reality that would be under modern monetary theory if it was practiced as it was intended to be practiced or as the left wants it to be practiced, where a lot of our behavior is governed by these sin taxes that, you know, whether it's a gun manufacturer, whether it's, whether it's some other behavior that they don't want you to take part in, maybe it's religion, maybe it's homeschooling, maybe it's anything that's sort of countercultural to the left's prescribed utopian vision for our country, they could use taxation to, I don't even want to say discourage, but to disallow you from behaving in that way. So under modern monetary theory, the taxation, I actually don't need to be paying the government. They're not, they're not using my money. They don't need my money because they think that they can just print all the money that they need. They're the issuer of the currency. They only tax me to make sure that I'm still earning the U.S. dollar so that I can pay them in the U.S. dollar so that we don't completely discard the U.S. dollar in favor of alternative currencies. They also think it's a tool for redistribution of wealth. They can just burn the money of, burn the tax money of the rich people who pay so that it's more equitable. People have a more equitable income or more equitable amount of assets. And then third, to control society by sin taxes or by blanket prohibitions. This, this is why the government hates crypto. This is why the US government hates crypto. And we're actually seeing this come to life Sort of in the United States, yes. And we'll get to that in a second. But first and foremost, in Canada. Now, before we get to that, I want to talk to you about a fantastic offer that I have for you today. With the political pressure of the left and the woke mob that has become the Democratic Party, it's not a fringe anymore. It is now the Democratic Party. Our society has ultimately become controlled by the cancel culture elites. Since when have the founders of our Constitution, the American flag, Dr. Seuss, for goodness sake, and many other things become anti-American? Well, that's what the left tells us is so. So there has never been a better time in our nation's history to stand up against this woke mob and fight back. You can do just that with this exclusive offer I have for you today. It's for a limited time. Now is your chance to win a signed picture by President Trump himself. That's right. Not only will you be taking a stand against the radical left, you will be entering to win a piece of history. A chance to win a signed picture by President Trump himself. All you have to do is text the word Liz to 55404 today to enter. It's free, by the way. We tried it. L-I-Z to 55404. Join me in standing up for President Trump and canceling the radical left once and for all. L-I-Z to 55404. This is paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. L-I-Z to 55404. So it's pretty easy to see why the government hates cryptocurrency. We're seeing this in a more subtle way, but not too subtle. It's creeping up on us here in the United States. We see this much more blatantly in Canada. What did Justin Trudeau do as part of his crackdown? He, they, the government was freezing people's bank accounts, but also, also 
freezing crypto wallets. Why? Because what is crypto? Crypto is an alternative form of currency. This scares the government, a government that would practice modern monetary theory. So by the way, here in the United States, people are already feeling insecure about the US dollar. They're already losing trust in the US dollar. And it's thanks to modern monetary theory that, that this is happening. But we can, we can see that this is happening before our eyes because think about the, I don't want to say obsession with cryptocurrency because obsession has a negative connotation, but see the deep interest in cryptocurrency, how it's exploded. The trading of cryptocurrency has exploded in the last three, four, five years compared to, you know, three, four, five years ago when it wasn't so much. Now, why is that? Because people see that the US dollar is on the brink of being devalued because of inflation. Inflation happening because the government is printing and spending. And again, it's not just Biden. It's not just Obama who are to blame to th for this. There are unwitting Republicans who have taken part in just unprecedented levels of spending. Bush was guilty of that. Trump was guilty of that too. So were many Republicans in the House and in the Senate. This is, this is something, I don't know whether Republicans are naive to this. I don't know whether they're kicking the can down the road, but this is across the aisle issue. This is an across the aisle issue, even if the ideology stems from the left. In practicality, many Republicans have taken part in this too. So Biden is addressing this very quietly. He's addressing this a little differently than Canada is. Canada is jumping right down the throat of cryptocurrency, using the authoritarian government to freeze crypto wallets because they simply want to control the people. But Biden has appointed a crypto czar. Now, what is a crypto czar, you might ask? And what is the purpose of a crypto czar? Well, let's look to the Federal Reserve for a second. The Federal Reserve under Jerome Powell has been promising for quite some time that they have a project in the works. This project being a government-sponsored cryptocurrency, a digital currency from the United States government. Now, unless you're a financial geek, maybe you didn't pay a lot of attention to this. I admittedly, I'd heard it, sure. I didn't delve too deeply into it until very recently. And when I did, what I found was extremely troubling. Because what is, what is, what is the benefit or what is the draw to Bitcoin or one of the cryptocurrencies, Ethereum, or one of the cryptocurrencies that's very popular right now? The, the purpose of it is that it provides an alternative to the US dollar, to a currency that's controlled by the US government. So what would be the purpose then of a cryptocurrency that was sponsored and issued by the US government, especially a US government under modern monetary theory that prints and spends paper money, they could literally, just with a click of their mouse pad, they could issue more cryptocurrency. The, the, the value in Bitcoin is that it has scarcity. The value in it is that it, there can't be more Bitcoin, that there is a finite amount of Bitcoin, and that has driven up the value of it. This, this is the idea of scarcity that when there is a scarcity, it drives up the value, gives value to something sometimes, even something that doesn't inherently have value. That, that's actually the idea behind any fiat currency. But our government is betraying the idea of a fiat currency, meaning a fiat currency, meaning our paper money doesn't actually have value like gold or silver does, or, some, or a valuable jewel, that it has money because it's a legal tender. So cryptocurrency, so Jerome Powell at the Fed said that they are going to try to develop or they have a project that's taking priority, I think his words were, about a government-run crypto. And here, here's the thing. Imagine, imagine what's happening in Canada, happening here. Because what Canada's doing is they have taken over cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is now not independent. 
cryptocurrencies under the power of the government. So if you have a government cryptocurrency, it already, government already has that power over it. So imagine what kind of controls and limits that they could put on that as well. You know, government seizing accounts, that could happen. Government paying people off, that could happen too. Seizing money, not just freezing it, that could happen too. Incredible penalties, essentially sin taxes, but really more like a social credit score, could happen under a digital currency if that digital currency is issued by the U.S. government. And so what, what is Biden going to do? He, he operates under this idea of modern monetary theory, where he thinks he can print as much money as he needs to fund his pet projects, his radical leftist agenda. He thinks that taxation is just a way to control people, whether it's to control them, to keep them using U.S. currency, whether it's redistribution of wealth, whether it's a sin tax. And so what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He's going to try to trick people. He's going to try to offer them, say, oh, crypto, that's the thing of the future. We, the United States, want to get in on this. We're going to offer a government-backed cryptocurrency, but, but we'll just leave the rest of them to the side. We'll just restrict those as best we can or restrict you from using those the best we can. And if you want cryptocurrency, then you have to, then you have to use the government-owned one, the government-issued cryptocurrency. Now, again, this defeats the point because the point of a cryptocurrency is to provide an alternative currency to the one that the U.S. government issues. And government could very easily take us down if we do this, just like is what's happening with the Canadian government, with Trudeau's administration and the truckers. Now, all of this being said, the point of all of this is one of the questions that I am asked most often, especially when I am on tour at college campuses or speaking at conferences, people come to the microphone and they say, how do we change Marxists' minds? How do we, it's essentially asking, how do you effectively debate a Marxist so that you don't just feel like you trumped them, that you beat them or owned them, but that they actually see the light. They understand your logic and they reject their Marxist ideology. And this is a tricky question, a very tricky question. And I want to talk about the answer because the answer lies in exactly what we're discussing today. But before we talk about that, I want to talk to you about Genucell. Now, before you skip this ad, now I know a lot of you skip the ads. We look at the analytics. I can see what you're doing. Just take a listen to this one. Gentlemen, you know how your wives use your razor? Well, likewise, we ladies know that our husbands use our skincare products when we are not looking. So let me introduce to you Genucell. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing the new Genucell serum with plant stem cell technology for under eye bags and puffiness. Susan from New Jersey wrote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love your product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. And folks, it's not just Susan. You think I wake up looking like this? Well, I'd like you to think that I do, but of course I do not. With GenuCell's instant effects, you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. I guarantee it. If you order now, you can save big on GenuCell's risk-free introductory offer. Just go to GenuCell.com slash Liz. That's GenuCell.com slash Liz. Order now and use my special promo code, Liz, to save an extra 10% off your order today. Go to GenuCell.com slash Liz. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. GenuCell.com slash Liz. So when people ask me, how do you change a Marxist mind? I, this is a tricky question because the answer sounds somewhat cynical. The answer sometimes is, well, you can't always change a Marxist's mind. Sometimes they're, they're not willing to be changed. They're not open-minded enough to listen to what you're saying. They are committed to their ideology. 
And I, the reason that sounds cynical is because I don't want to feel like I'm writing anybody off. I know that anybody can be redeemed. Anybody's mind can change. But in practicality, sometimes our political opposition in and of themselves, their minds aren't going to be changed. So the more important question that we should be asking ourselves isn't how do we change the minds of individual people? The question we should be asking ourselves is how do we stop them politically, even if their minds haven't been changed yet? How do we stop them politically even if we haven't changed their mind yet. And there is one way to do that. The way to do that is to crush modern monetary theory. Because what does modern monetary theory allow the government to do? It allows the government to completely disregard the question that used to be a very important debate in our country. This question being, how are we going to pay for that? That used to be a roadblock. That used to be the... the pothole that stopped a lot of bad policy from becoming law. It stopped it in the U.S. Congress because people would debate, our representatives and our senators would debate, how is this going to be paid for? And then they would have to justify that to their constituents, to you and I, their voters, to the American people. And if they had used our tax money poorly and spent it on something we don't like, they would risk losing their positions of power, their positions in Congress and in the government. Well, our government officials don't have to ask that question anymore. They don't have to ask, how are we going to pay for this? Is this worth the money? Will my voters like that their hard-earned paychecks are being used to pay for XYZ liberal policy? Because under modern monetary theory, they can fund their projects, their pet projects, just by printing the money. It's, it's nuts, right? It's absolutely nuts. And lots of leftists ascribe to this theory. They ascribe to it for multiple reasons because maybe they actually want to spend us into oblivion because they think that's the best way to destroy our institutions, that when our institutions are destroyed, they can usher in Marxism. Maybe they just think it's the best way to implement their policies without having to justify themselves to the voters. A lot of leftists, including the Biden administration, ascribe to modern monetary theory. And so you and I, we don't have to change Biden's mind. We don't have to change Bernie's mind. We should try, of course we should, as individuals. But politically, we should make sure to cut them off at the pass. And we should do that by making sure we destroy modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory is the lifeblood of the Democrats' radical leftist agenda. There is no way in this world that nationalized healthcare would ever work or could ever be paid for unless we were printing money. A socialized healthcare system couldn't even pass in the very liberal state of Vermont, Bernie Sanders' home state. The Democratic governor got it to pass and then had to put it to bed because he couldn't justify a way to pay for it. That's what's supposed to happen. But under modern monetary theory, it doesn't matter. They can just print the money to spend for it. Like I said, if they spend us into oblivion, they're happy because the collapse begets socialism. Otherwise, they get their agenda funded just by printing, and as a benefit, they get to control society, you and I. So the next time we hear this question, how can we change people's minds? How do we change Marxist minds? Say, no, that's important, but that can wait. First, we have to stop new Marxists from being created. We have to stop the Marxists that are in power from imposing their Marxism on us. And the best way to do that, or one of the best ways to do that, is to stop modern monetary theory. And step one of that is understanding exactly what it was. This, by the way, also makes fiscal conservatism sexy again. Fiscal conservatism has gone long, gone out of style. The days of the Tea Party are over. 
People don't want to hear about how much you're spending. They don't want to hear about analogies to credit card debt. But this makes it important again. This makes people understand that if you are passionately against Marxism, if you are passionately against critical race theory and the 1619 Project, transgender bathrooms, the Green New Deal, Medicare for all, a wealth tax, the best way to ensure that those things never become the law of our land is to crush modern monetary theory. So one of the fun things that we do over in the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals is I workshop these ideas as I'm doing my nerdy thing and diving into all the details and the research. I practice it, for lack of a better word. I try it out. I discuss it with the Liz Wheeler Show community. And modern monetary theory is exactly one of those things that we've discussed on the Liz Wheeler Show community before um, before this episode, before we put this this whole show together. So join us over there if you use my promo code of today, which is crypto of course. Promo code crypto, you can get one month free on an annual subscription. Go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals and join us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.